0: People who are wise or are walking in wisdom know how to move their life forward. Many people are meandering, wandering through life, hoping something will magically happen, hoping that next year will be different than this year, but are not doing anything this year to make sure that next year looks Different. We could say it this way. They are not operating in wisdom to be strategic for what is to come. We just passed the halfway mark of the year. Has anyone been in Hobby Lobby? Christmas everywhere. I don't know how you feel about that. I get some no's, I get some yays, I get some, I don't really. Yeah, okay. what that means is the second half of the year is in full swing. And if we want the second half of our year to be better than the first half of our year, we've got to do some things different. We had a pretty good first half of the year, but we want our second half to be even better. Okay, uh, Let's look in your outline and uh, let's read 1 Corinthians 10. Adrian, if you'll read the verses for me, I would appreciate it. Oh, you got to turn your microphone on. Turned it off. First Corinthians chapter 10.
1: Things are lawful. Let's try that again. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things edify, build up.
0: Another way of saying that, there is a level that we operate in that is acceptable. Acceptable. You're going to have to follow me close today. Truthfully, I feel that most Christians operate at this place. They do what they can to survive. They do what they can to get by. I'm going to go to church every few weeks, and that's good. I'm going to pray before one of my meals once a week or so, and that's good. I'm going to read my Bible whenever my app pops up at noon and gives me a reminder of my daily verse. I'm going to read that verse, and that's going to be my Bible for the day. And and these things are all good. There's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But according to this text in 1 Corinthians 10, there is a higher level that we can operate in. And the higher level that you can operate in is what our topic is going to be about today in the next couple of weeks. And it's the word. Okay, it's the word. It's the word. Most Christians are living their daily lives, trying to decipher between right and wrong. Christians think if I use just a little bit of bad language, it's okay uh, because I, I stub my toe and hit it with a hammer, or, or hit my finger with a hammer, and it just it just accidentally slipped out. But it's okay. It's okay. It's just, God and I have this. We're good. Or, or maybe you tend to. I'm getting started early today. Maybe you tend to drink a little bit more than what you're supposed to, and you say, well, if you've had the kind of week that I've had, you would understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. Or maybe if you were married to the person I was married to, you would understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. (sighs) Maybe just a little bit, maybe we've gossiped just just a little bit, but but it's okay, it's okay. I only said this one little bad thing about this person, and I asked God to forgive me, so we're good. It's again, God. Paul comes and writes this text and says, there's coming a day in your life. When, when you no longer have to decipher between what is right and wrong, but if you want to operate at an elevated or a higher level, you need to operate with what we call all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Or another translation says not all things are beneficial. So here's what this text is showing us. I can go out and do what I want to do within within parameters, and God's not going to be mad. He's not going to take me out of heaven. He's not going to smite me and kill me and, and wish bad stuff upon me and give me bad karma, as a lot of people say. But if I choose to live that way, it won't bring along the pieces of life that need to come together that are there to propel me in a forward motion to be able to fulfill the calling of God that's upon my life to operate at a higher level. The question is not, is this right or wrong? The question becomes, is this beneficial or not? There are things that I can't do to be me. There are things that you can't do to be you. Let me explain that. There are things that Taylor Chapman, that's me, cannot participate in to be the Taylor Chapman that God wants me to be. You follow me? Taylor Chapman wants to be an anointed vessel for God to be able to use at his beck and whim. And so therefore, because that is what I want God to do in my life, there are things I cannot put myself in. There are situations, there are scenarios, there are actions, there are are just things that I cannot do to be me. Let me give you a few examples using relationships. There are people that I cannot be friends with. Not because those people are bad, but because I cannot have that relationship and go where God wants me to go the wrong relationships will not allow me to go forward quick enough to fulfill what God wants me to do. I have to make a wise decision and decide, is this person going where I am going? I cannot compromise my future for an individual. When I was in junior high, I had a friend named Ben. If you guys had a friend named Ben, sorry, but I had a friend named Ben. He was a good kid. We went to church, uh, came from a good home, good family. We were friends for years. We played golf together. One day, I began to see a shift in Ben. Things began to, just a little bit different. Uh, he, he still going to church, still loved God, but he just trying to fit in with a different group of people that um, wouldn't necessarily be sitting on the front row at church on Sunday. You see, you see without saying what I'm saying, because my kids are in here, you see what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Um, one summer, Ben went with my family out to Red River, New Mexico for vacation. We went and spent the week out there. We've been having fun all week riding motorcycles and four wheelers and going to town and just doing all sorts of things. And, and Ben asked me one afternoon, hey, can I wear a shirt that you brought? And I'm like, he's my best friend. Of course he can wear my shirt. Like, yeah, you take this shirt, take that shirt, take whatever you want to do. Like, I I, I don't really care. Take take whatever shirt that you want to take. And as soon as he asked that question, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and this is what he said. Listen closely. He can't put on your clothes because you can't put on his clothes. I didn't even realize it But I got into a verbal argument with Ben over wearing a stupid shirt. I cannot tell you what the argument was. He told me later. I argued with him. What was happening? God was separating me from someone who would cause me not to be me. Someone that would hinder wisdom in my life. What was God speaking to me in Red River about that shirt? The physical clothes had nothing to do with the point of the conversation. The issue was God was showing me I can't put myself in the same place as him. You guys aren't getting this. I have to be different. If I put on his clothes, his clothes will take me down a path that is not being Taylor Chapman. We were cordial until we got back to Stillwater. Then the next week, I told him I couldn't be friends with him any longer. And for the most part, we didn't speak. The next year, I get a picture, I get a text of several pictures of Ben falling off the bandwagon, doing all sorts of ungodly things. There's a good chance if I would have allowed him to remain in my inner circle, I would have gone down that same path. Let me ask you a question. Was being his friend wrong? No. Was being his friend wise? Starting to get the difference. God had an elevated place that he has called me to live. So it wasn't wrong being his friend, but it was not wise for me to be his friend. Let me throw in a side note for some of you super religious type people. For those of you who say, well, you could have been the one to witness to him. God put you in his life and him in your life because you need to be that person. Um, That's possible. But let me just kind of say it straight up the way it is. You've got to recognize your assignment. I'm going to say it again. You have to recognize your assignment. There came a point where Ben was no longer my assignment because he no longer wanted what I had to offer. And I, in wisdom, had to recognize my assignment with him was over. You cannot allow people in your life and allow your assignment to be shifted because you want to be, oh, I just love you. I want to be, I just just want to get down in the dumps with you and go through life with you. And I know I'm not supposed to, but... I'm going to allow your life to stop me from doing what God's called me to do. You have to recognize your assignment, and wisdom gives you advanced knowledge of what is right or wrong. That's good. That's not even in there. Right or wrong in the moment would have kept me in a relationship that ultimately would have hurt me. There are people in your life you are keeping there because you don't want to go to a higher level. You don't want to make the hard decision. You don't want to say, God, use me the way you want me to be used, so I'm going to allow this relationship to hinder what you're trying to do in my life. But if they are causing you to slow down with what God has called you to do, they are not part of your assignment. I need a smile. Don't try to, don't try to pick up something that doesn't belong to you. Okay, I'm going to be nice now. Fast forward, I go to high school. I've got a friend, Phil. Phil's great guy. Um, I got him saved. He started coming to our church. He worked for our church. Uh, He's just good dude. Um, still is a good dude. But there came a day when I had to say. I'm sorry, we're not going in the same direction. I guess I wasn't going to be nice. It is what it is. I am almost positive that you can look in your own life and identify there have been people who tried to latch on to you. The great thing about wisdom is wisdom shows you if the person is trying to latch on to you for the right or wrong reason. You look at it and say, is this right or wrong of me to do that?" No, it's not wrong of you to be their friend. It's not wrong of you to want to help. It's not wrong of you to let them into your life. But is it wisdom? Wisdom looks beyond the current situation. I want you to hear my heart in this. We love all people. It's, it's, not, it's not that at all. We, we love people. But when it comes to wisdom, we don't allow the wrong people in our inner circle. Okay, there is a, um, a guy by the name of John Maxwell in your notes, wrote this down. John Maxwell is the greatest le- leadership expert in the world right now. This is how he puts it. I want to be in conflict with none, cordial with everyone, close to few. What he is basically saying is the higher level of operation we live at, we need to make sure the people who are around us are feeding into that and not distracting us from necessarily, from from not what necessarily is right or wrong, but distracting us from what is wise or beneficial. There are activities, there are people, there are relationships, there are things. There are just things that I cannot do to be me. There are good things out there that I can do, but according to Paul, I have to change my question from is this right or wrong to is this beneficial for the call of God that's upon my life. There are things that I just cannot do, but then there are things that I have to do. Let me give you a a few examples. The, the, The Things that I have to do. As a pastor, I have to put myself in environments where a greater level of anointing begins to operate at. If I put myself in the wrong relationship, I won't get that greater level of anointing. So I've got to put myself in relationships with people who will strengthen my walk with God. Just this month, just being honest with you all, I am spending, I won't say how much, thousands of dollars of our own money to travel and take my family out of this country into another country because there's a pastor who has the anointing that I want to have. So I am going to put myself in the environment of that person operating in the giftings that God has given to them so I can take that off, that, that anointing, receive the anointing, come back and give it to you. There are things that I have to do as a pastor that you don't have to do as someone else. There are things that you do as an individual that I don't have to do. There are things that I can't do. Then there are things that I have to do. On Wednesday, Adrienne and I decided to get healthy. Again, I think this is the 127th time this year we've started. Anybody else? Okay, we're starting the second half of the year. Let's do this thing. All right, don't tell us your number because you lost more weight than all of us. It doesn't count. We should start today. Okay, um, when, uh, uh, but we start off slow. We're not like, the, hey, let's go get healthy. We're just like, let's just cut out caffeine. Occasionally, <laughs> like we, we just we let's be realistic. Now everyone gets. We're gonna go and lose twenty pounds by the first. No, I ain't. I'm ain't. i gonna gain twenty pounds by the second. And no, we, I set myself up for realistic parameters. Let's get healthy. What's the one thing that kind of hinders me the most? And that's Dr Pepper. Love a Dr Pepper. Adrienne loves. I think she got she got me addicted to these things. I I had no desire until her. And she drinks these Dr Peppers. I drink these Dr Peppers. And she says, hey, we're going to get healthy. I'm like, hey, let's get healthy. Let's do it. Let's cut out these Dr. Peppers. On Wednesday, she calls me, and she's like, I want a Dr. Pepper so bad. I'm like, well, go get one. And she's like, you're not helping. Get behind me, Satan. And she's like, and she's like I'm not going to drink a Dr. Pepper. I'm going to drink this fizzy drink that's supposed to be like a Dr. Pepper, but it's not a Dr. Pepper. It doesn't have caffeine. I'm like, great, okay. Is there anything wrong with a Dr. Pepper? If you say there is, you're the devil. There's nothing wrong with a Dr. Pepper. But in order for Adrienne to be Adrienne to get healthy, is there something wrong with a Dr. Pepper? Is it wise? There's nothing wrong with drinking a Dr. Pepper. In fact, Sundays for me, I drink two. You guys stress me out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. My throat just needs it. The coating, the acid going down burns, and it feels so good. As you can tell, I'm three days without one. I'm starting to covet that Dr. Pepper going down and burning my throat. But what happens is there's nothing wrong with drinking a Dr. Pepper at all. But in the context of we want to get healthy, is it wise for us to drink one? Habakkuk in the Old Testament gives us a great example of how we can practically walk in wisdom. I don't know if you've ever heard of this verse this way before, but it makes sense to me and I hope it will to you as well. Let's look in our outline as Adrian reads Habakkuk. Just read verse one.
1: I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint.
0: Habakkuk is an Old Testament prophet. He's probably a musician who served in Solomon's temple. He has been complaining to God out of frustration. He gets himself to a point, and he finally says, God, I'm not going to complain anymore. I'm going to wait until you give me the answer to do what I'm supposed to do. That's the story taking place of this chapter 2, verse 1. Then God tells him in verse 2.
1: And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still, the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay.
0: Look in your outline in green ink right below that. The vision I have upon my life causes me to put standards on myself. That's good, Terrence. You can say amen right there. Thank you. When you have proper vision, you will have a greater understanding of what wisdom in your life looks like. I'm about to run circles in here. Let, let's define what wisdom is because maybe that will help you get a better understanding of where I'm about to go. This, this is not the Webster's Dictionary. This is the Taylor's Dictionary. It's a good one, too. All right. Wisdom Part 1. Write this down. Wisdom, and it's going to be on the screen behind me if you don't know how to spell the word. Wisdom is the ability to know difference. Wisdom is the ability to know difference. There were two men hanging on the cross next to Jesus. One is cursing him out and the other says, remember me. One of the thieves recognized there was difference in the midst of him. You need to have the ability to recognize when something is supposed to be different. There is a gentleman in the Bible named blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus had been blind for 30 years. He heard that Jesus was coming down the road and going to be where he at. He begins to recognize there's a difference on this person and he looks and says, "Son of David, have mercy on me." And everyone in the crowd is telling him to pipe down, "Blind Bartimaeus, you're an idiot. Shut up. You've been blind for 30 years. Leave us alone." We're doing our own thing and old blind Bart comes back over here and says, no, I recognize the difference and today I will not go home blind. I will not go home the way I was before because I recognize the difference of what was coming my way. You've got to have the ability to recognize difference. Wisdom recognizes difference. Wisdom, part two, second part of the definition. Wisdom is the ability to, write this down, apply knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. My dad was a senior pastor for most of my life. He had a rule when he did counseling. Consider it harsh if you want. It was his rule. I buy into it. I like it. He would meet with you one time. He would get a game plan. He would work out a good game plan. He would give it to you. He would meet with you a second time. If you did not do the game plan, the meeting was over, and you would no longer ever have a meeting with him again. If you were not capable of realizing how to apply the knowledge of wisdom, you were going to stay in the same pattern, and now you're wasting his time. If you don't recognize wisdom, you will miss the opportunity of what wisdom has to offer you. One man on the cross recognized it, He will be forever remembered. The other man on the cross didn't recognize it. He will forever be tormented. Wisdom is what changed it. There is a principle in the book of Proverbs that I think will help clarify this a little bit, and I wrote it down in your outline in green ink. Nature determines behavior. If you know the nature of something, the behavior of that something will not surprise you. Babies cry. Are you mad when they cry? Why? Because you understand that is their nature. Dogs are excited to see you. Cats? Not so much. Every time, I never expect to walk in my house thinking my dog is going to act like a cat. A lion will never act like a lamb. For me to think a lion will not rip apart its predator is foolishness on my part. The nature of what the lion does is the nature of who he is. If you know the nature of something, you understand what that something will always present. If you know people who cut corners to you, they're always going to cut corners around you. If you know people who talk, bad about somebody else to you they're going to talk bad about you to somebody else and you can't get mad at them because you know their nature it was okay when they were talking to you but you don't want them talking to somebody else why all of a sudden is their nature changed it didn't wisdom knows the difference that a lion will always act like a lion a dog will always act like a dog but the great thing about wisdom Wisdom looks beyond what is now to see what is to come. Wisdom operates outside of your ability to understand. Thank you. Shelly gets it. That was good. Wisdom has the ability to understand the nature of people. Not necessarily of what they are looking at today, but of what they will become. Was it wrong of me to be friends with Ben in junior high? No. Was it wise of me for what was to come? No. I did not know what his future looked like, but wisdom did. We are giving wisdom a personality here, if you don't understand that. Wisdom has the ability to understand the times and seasons of life you are in. Two men on the cross. One was right, one was wrong. Wisdom has the ability to know the difference in a particular moment. Have you ever been in a moment and you just had that revelation? Like, oh, I, got, I know something beyond what we're talking about. Wisdom has the, the ability to operate outside of the realm of your thinking. Recapping our text chapter, in, in Corinthians chapter 10. All things are lawful, not all things are necessary for building up. Again, understanding that there are things that we do that are acceptable, but they are not the wise thing to do. But wisdom, when in proper operation, elevates us to do things that are beneficial, not just acceptable. All right. That didn't go over very well. Let's read just the first part of Habakkuk 2. Just re- read for- Hey, let's all read it together. Follow along. Let- let's read it together. Make it so that way you can get it too. Habakkuk 2, verse 2, just verse 2. Stop at the end of verse 2. Ready? Read.
1: And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it.
0: God said to make the vision plain by writing it down so they who read it can run with it. This verse shows us that God has put people in your life to help you run with your vision. It says, he may run who reads it. God will put people in your life who are supposed to, who you're supposed to marry. He about sucked up something bad. Don't record that one. <laughs> God. <laughs> I choked on air. God will put people, I knew where I was going, I'm getting excited about it. God will put people in your life who you're supposed to marry. He will put people in your life who you are supposed to do life with. God will bring people across your circle that will enhance the call of God upon your life if you understand the difference between wisdom and right or wrong in the situation. I was talking to my aunt Nancy a few weeks ago on the phone and she said, Taylor, I am in your life if you like it or not because of our relationship. You get the benefit of being a part of my family if you want to take it. I want you to, and this is, she continues, I want you to come out and spend some time with us at our home and, and help us in our ministry. I want you to come to some of my meetings. And she said, Taylor, you have priority in my life. What she was telling me, and I asked later for clarification, everything I have is yours. If this relationship takes your calling further, use me however you can i I told her I said, "You're my aunt, I don't want to take advantage of you like that's you're my like i just i just that's just not in my nature and she laughed at me, and she said, "Taylor, because of my love for you, you can never take advantage of me. I can take you further than what you can get yourself." There are people in your life that are meant to help you fulfill your vision. Wisdom causes you to find those people and get yourself around them. I'm spending, ten th- I'm spending a lot of money this month to put myself around people that will help me in the call of God that's upon my life. There are people in your life that you have to surround yourself with that will catapult you in what God's called you to do. There are people in your life that will hinder you. Is there anything wrong with those people? No, we love them. We've established that. But is it wisdom to be their friend, to allow them into your inner circle? You have to have vision for your marriage. Because whenever you make a vision, going back to what we said earlier, the vision I have upon my life caused me to put standards on myself. When you have a vision for your marriage, the enemy will try to come and bring along people to distract your vision. But the vision creates boundaries. Oh, this is going to change your the world. Um, you have to have vision for your children. My kids, as you see, are in here. Not because kids' church is not very good. It's great. Kids love it. I want them to start getting the impartation from their dad inside here. I have a vision for them. And it's my job as their stewards to make sure they fulfill their vision when they're under my watch. So guess what that means? I will monitor who their friends are. As our church grows, there will be people's houses that they're not welcome to go to inside this church. Not because I don't love you, but because it'll detract them from their vision. My parents chose my friends. My parents, as long as I was under their roof. They provided a great atmosphere for us. They had the lake house. We had the pool tables, the ping pong. We had the big screens with video games on Saturday nights. My dad would pay for pizza for all my friends to come up because he said, if I can keep you under my watch, I can keep your vision in front of you, and I can stop the people that will be hindering your vision from taking you out too prematurely. So what happens is we've got to surround ourselves or get people around us who can feed into our life and say, is this right or wrong? That's not the question. Is this beneficial for what God's called upon your life? You have to have a vision for your finances. I don't know, but I don't know anyone who enjoys being broke. So why do you think next year's gonna be different if you're still making the same $10 an hour this year? If you don't have a vision, you won't have the standard for what God's put upon your life so you just wander through life whatever happens case or. Off. On Wednesday, I had a meeting, don't record this one. With the vice president of a bank and I work with her on we're we're looking at a we were we were looking at a, a commercial property to buy and as I'm driving to the bank I get this gut check. Um, I meet with our banker, and as I was pulling out of the parking lot, I heard this in my spirit. You can proceed forward with this endeavor, but it will sideline your ministry. God told me that I could go ahead and buy the property. Our business needs it. without reading the spiritual side of it is there anything wrong with buying a property no. no in this particular instance is there something wrong with buying the property it's not wise there's something that i cannot do to be the tailor that god has called me to be what in your life is sidelining you from being the best Juan you can be, from being the best Richard you can be? What is sidelining? Things that were acceptable. Paul says there are things that are acceptable that are not all that bad. But is it wise? While I was at the meeting, the banker said something we can all learn from. She said, Taylor, once you buy this property, I need you to, follow me on this, I need you to write down very clearly See, not a Christian. How you plan to renovate it? Listen. Based upon what you tell me clearly will determine how much money we will give you. <laughs> Did you hear what she was saying? The outcome of abundance was based upon my ability to clarify the vision that I have for the property. You guys. I need an organist, some up here to get things going. To This is change your life, people. If you want an abundant marriage, you have to be clear on your vision and walk in wisdom of what your marriage is supposed to look like. You may think it's okay to high five that other's person, uh, someone that's not your spouse. You may think it's uh, to encourage them one way, but you got to ask yourself, is this the wise thing to do in order for my vision for my marriage to come to complete fulfillment of what God called the marriage to look like? Some of you, I'm about to step onto, some of you are diddle down around trying to be flirtatious, and you're walking out of the vision that God has for your marriage. Sorry, If you want to have an abundant career, you've got to be clear on the vision of what your career is supposed to look like. If you want to have an abundant career, relationship with people you have to be clear on what the vision for that relationship is supposed to look like is this person the kind of person that's going to take me forward into my call or is this person the kind of person that's going to pull me back so i can't fulfill what god's called me to do it may not be anything wrong with being their friend but is it the wise thing to do in order to ask ourselves is this beneficial wisdom asks for a higher level of operating. It says in your outline, Proverbs 29, 18. Adrian, read that.
1: Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Say it again. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint.
0: Let me say it this way. It's in your outline. Hopefully this makes sense. Where there is no vision, you have no boundaries. Vision gives you wisdom, that, and that vision builds parameters in your life. Being your pastor keeps me in boundaries. You being married keeps you in boundaries. Now, inside of that boundary, are you operating inside wisdom? I have a responsibility to, to each of you that keeps me in check. <laughs> there are lines that I cannot and will not cross because of who I am to you. As we conclude our message today, it's time we operate at a higher level where we live higher. Asking, is this beneficial to the vision that God has for my life? Is this beneficial? for the vision that God has for my life. I need to harp on something one more time. Whenever you have proper vision, we'll do that next week. That's going to be good. Hold on. Sorry, had to write down a note, right? I just shut it off. See, okay, I'm done. Where you have proper vision in your life will determine what is right and wrong in that instance. If you have an unhealthy vision of marriage, you will find things to do that are unhealthy. You will allow yourself to do things that are not healthy because of the vision. How many of you have a vision for your marriage? Don't lie to me. I know 95% of you don't. Okay. Like five of you do. How many of you have written down that vision? That's what I thought. So you don't have one. The Bible doesn't say put it in your head. It says write it down. When you have a vision, and it works for everything, Levi. It's not just your marriage. It's not just your career. It's not just you. You create a vision for everything. You have one for your business. Whenever I started my business, I put a five-year plan in place. I'm going to be very transparent. I'm going to close down in two minutes. I apologize. Three minutes. Uh, Five minutes, okay. 30 minutes, that's all I need. It's It's been a month since I've been up here, so I got some time to make up, Christy. Whenever I started my business, I put a five-year plan in place. The goal was at five years to close my business down and go full-time with the church. I hit uh, last month, and this is where this whole message came from. Actually, it came from the banker. That's where the st- God started speaking to me at, but then everything started clicking in my, in, in me. I ran into a block last month, didn't I? I was done. I was mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted. Been working this business for five years, and gummit. God has blessed this business more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. I had looked at my five-year plan. We were beyond our five-year plan. I didn't come up with a new vision, and I didn't even know it, but I shut down had no direction of where I was going because the plan was at five years to be out of it, come here. But then how about people were like, ooh, COVID, everything messed up. We didn't get into the building like we needed to. We didn't get the people. We Things begin to change. And as you can see now, things are progressing in the right way. That's how come we looked at ourselves and said, if God has called us the way we know he has called our family, it is going to require us to do things that we would not have done before. I can be the best me any day I want to be if I'm willing to put the right people around thee. So what happens is we've got to put ourselves in an environment for us to do what God's called us to do. You know what that means? I'm going to spend a lot of money for you all. And I'm not even sad about it. I'm not even like, oh man, I want them to feel good, sorry. for No, no, I will spend the million dollars I have in my bank account to tell you guys how much I love you and help your spiritual lives. There are things that I have to do to be me. There are things that you do that you have to do to be you. There are things that you can't do to be you. There are things that I can't do to be me. So this week, I'm going to ask you, as we do, I think this is going to be about a three or four week series. Maybe not if I keep getting inspiration on the last point where we're going to change next week. I had a whole sermon written yesterday at what, three o'clock? I text Adrienne. She's gone. I'm like. I'm changing it all up. I had to reprint bulletins, do everything the third time on this message, but I just felt there was God wanted to do something in this place. The, the next three series are going to build on each other, and this is going to be the start of it. There's got to be a wisdom-built process that where we're going in this. And so uh, I'm going to ask this week, you begin to analyze your own life. Look at the decisions that you're making. Don't ask, is this right or wrong? but Is this beneficial? there's a call of God in my life and let me tell you there is every single one of you have a call of God upon your life if there's a call of God on your life there is something beneficial for you and that's wisdom let's pray and then as I pray Adrian's going to come up and dismiss us God I thank you so much that you give us the gift of wisdom your word says ask for wisdom and I will give it to you generously so Lord this morning we ask for wisdom We want wisdom to be the foundation of who we are. We want wisdom to be at the forefront of how we think, what we ask, how we talk, the people we hang around. God, I pray this week that you put people around us and you show us what wisdom is in our relationships. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you move in our hearts to a place where we become wise vessels for you to move in. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Do what only you can do in each of us so we can walk in the fullness of the calling you have upon our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com, to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in, and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.